Welcome to Done and Done. I'm Alicia, your hostess on this journey, all things Dominic Dunn. It's a really exciting day, y'all. I have a special guest star today. Stacy, my wonderful co-host from Trashy Divorces. Hello. Hello. Hello, Dunn and Dunners. This some is, of you are trashy divorciers, too. Sure. There's some overlap, certainly. But anyway, hello. You took a spin this week in the fabulous 1980s and 1990s with your story on Heather Locklear. Mm-hmm. Who had a deeply significant partnership with producer Aaron Spelling through two dec- the first two decades of her career. And it's my birthday week. It is that. And you delightfully agreed to come on and be with me to talk about the fabulous Candy Spelling, wife of Aaron Spelling, Mm -hmm. for this week's episode on Done and Done. Force behind the man, perhaps. When we talk about power behind the man, like Aaron Spelling did a lot. Mm -hmm. Mogul dies in June 2006 with $600 million from his media empire. Did he ever launch himself into space? (laughs) Not that Dominic Dunn covered. (laughs) So this week, we're going to use a piece that is from August 1984, published in Vanity Fair, called Candy's Dynasty. This is one of Dominic's first pieces for Vanity Fair. He had just started writing for them and... Reconnects with his friend Candy Spelling, and we'll hear about it in the telling of this, but oh, just there's so much more. I would like to note that Aaron and Candy Spelling were married from 1968 until his death in 06. Truly uh, remarkable for Hollywood. This is why we can't talk about them on Trashy Divorces. It was a very, very happy marriage. Mm-hmm. They're they, kind of lovebirds. Did they ever sponsor the Spelling Bee? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. This is why you brought me on. It's going to go like this. Hmm. All right. So I shall say, let's investigate. Let's start. Candy's Dynasty with the subhead in Vanity Fair. Life imitates TV in the case of Candy Spelling. In fact, reports Dominic Dunn, the wife of Dynasty producer Aaron Spelling, is even more extravagant than Crystal Carrington. Holy cats. Dominic just... Dives right in. The article begins. It is no secret that the movie rich live rich. What is less well known is that the television rich live even richer. Because, except for a few film people like Ray Stark, Steven Spielberg, and George Lucas, the television rich are richer than the movie rich and more flamboyant. While the movie rich have settled into relatively conservative habits of quote-unquote old money, the television rich, long considered second class in the rigid caste system of film land society, are bringing back to Hollywood a way of life and a standard of living that have not been around since what are nostalgically referred to as the great days when spender William Randolph Hearst built Marion Davies a castle in the sand at Santa Monica. It's quite a paragraph. How rich are they, you're asking? I have to imagine also that he's looking at this with a bit of, like he came out of TV, you know, like he was a TV producer. And so he's got to be looking at this both with, you know, professional admiration as well as I'm sure a smidge of professional jealousy. 
Well, they know each other from the four star days. They're colleagues. So Mm -hmm. it's a good point. I've never thought about it that way. He has to be kind of astounded, Dunn does, at whoa. So this is 1984. There is something huge that has happened within the Hollywood community. So Dunn continues. The name on every lip and in every column these days is Candy Spelling, wife of television super mogul Aaron Spelling, who is reputed to be the most successful, most powerful, and richest independent producer in Hollywood. In a community inured to tales of extravagant lifestyles, Candy Spelling is setting new perimeters. Recently, the Spellings paid $10,250,000 in cash for the cream-colored stone mansion being Crosby-owned when he was married to Dixie Lee. Then, after discussing plans for structural changes with some of the priciest architects on the West Coast, they decided to tear the 43,000-square-foot house down to the ground and start again from scratch. Well, they probably wanted something smaller, a little more manageable. What she ended up with is a $10,250,000 lot, commented one of the outraged neighbors. It is a house that will be even bigger and will include, when it is completed in two years, an indoor ice skating rink, a bowling alley, and a zoo. Before a curtain is hung or a carpet is laid, Aaron Spelling will have spent close to $25 million on it. Is this the Holmby Hills house? This is Spelling Manor, Mm. yes, that Tori names. This is... Candy and Aaron's first daughter, Tori Spelling, named Victoria. Barbara Stanwyck is her godmother and gives her the name nickname of Tori. Oh my God. Spelling Manor. Those are $1984. Okay, so let's talk about Spelling Manor just for a second. Candy Spelling sells the home at, in, I think it goes on the market in 2009, yeah, after the passing of Aaron. Right. Her kids are out of the house. The home has hosted presidents and princes and Hollywood royalty. It is one of the largest single family homes in the world. They tore down the 43,000 square foot Bing Crosby house to build a 56,000 square foot home with 14 bedrooms, 27 bathrooms. Now, the big deal about the lot, it's 4.7 acres. In Holmby Hills that are flat. You don't find flat. It's Holmby Hills. Mm-hmm. There's a doll museum in the home. A bowling alley in the home. Because Aaron Spelling really likes to bowl and he just can't go to Tin Pan Alley or whatever. Because people are like, here's my hoodshot. Use right, me in a... Right. There are three gift wrapping rooms. No, we're going to get to it. She's smart. Candy Spelling is the smartest woman in Hollywood. Uh, There's a barber shop. There's a dining room that seats 30. She prefers French service. So butlers are happening either side and opposite ways down the dinner table. There's a media room with a 60 foot, 60 square foot screen that comes up from the floor. Wow. Well, yeah, if it drops from the ceiling and it's just a, it wrinkles, it, you can't hide your speakers back there. It's intense. There's a rooftop rose garden. 
Olympic pool, Natch, multiple tennis courts. Did Barney Stinson buy their TV? Is that- <laughs> There's parking for a hundred cars. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite parts about the home. There's a silver room for all the silver where plates, serving dishes, whatever. It's a silver room okay. that is humidity controlled. The shelves are lined with silver cloth. So all the silver that sits on the silver cloth, it prevents tarnishing. Oh, does it? Okay. Candy Spelling will design the drawers in this home so that they have multi-levels. So when you pull out the drawer, there's spoons all lined up, but then you can lift those spoons out and there are surprise silver spoons down below. She said, you have to have all these things if you're hosting all these people. Maybe it got a little out of hand. (laughs) But they're building a family home forever. So the teardown happens. Construction begins in 1986. They have 150 workers a day work for five years to build the home. Mm -hmm. They didn't even get a pyramid out of it. Wow. (laughs) Aaron Spelling eventually gives up. He's like, Candy, listen, I'm going to go do TV. You build the house. (laughs) And... Because she's a, she goes to Europe multiple times. There's nothing in that home that isn't, period. Every fireplace, every sconce, every chandelier, she will bring into, oh my God, there's not an air conditioning vent in the home. All of the central heating and air is piped in through, in through the molding. So like the crown molding mm-hmm. is designed Has to allow. to allow, Yeah. I'm sure that that's a very affordable thing that one could do in their home. She says she's never seen anything like it in any other home. The home takes five years to complete. There are 170,000 glass tiles that are individually laid in the pool. 200,000 granite pavers laid out the driveway by hand. I mean, I can certainly appreciate that there were craftspeople and artisans and... You know, the designer of that HVAC system had to innovate. Like, I get that a lot of people were paid a lot of money for this type of incredible extravagance, but also, whew. Okay, wait on it. Just go to space, man. Okay, so you like it. I've got more. (laughs) Some artisan she cannot find in California. And since she is a girl, she has dreamed of... A double spiral staircase like 12 Oaks and Gone with the Wind. She will have one built for her in Texas. This grand sweeping replica of the 12 Oaks Gone with the Wind staircase is all one piece that gets shipped to California for her <clears throat> grand entry way. So just one oak. <laughs> <laughs> She'll travel to Europe, like I say, for thousands of antiques. Uh, Nothing is new. Part of it's just the cost of doing business. She's building a set. She's building a set to host. I think her largest party was five, six hundred. I mean, it's nothing to have a hundred. Your driveway can hold a hundred cars. Let me not forget about the temperature controlled wine cellar that holds a thousand bottles of wine. As she's building the home. She doesn't understand building plans, but she'll learn building plans. There's nothing Candy Spelling has actually not learned in her life, as we will soon find out. So she'll end up cutting an entire wing from the home. Also, Tori, 
who she was building the zoo for, was 17 by the time they moved in, so the zoo got cut, and Candy's pretty grateful for that. We'll make it a gift wrapping room. We need four. Where do I put these lions? Dunn is writing before the house is built while this house is an imagining in her eye. Right. She sells it. (laughs) Right. After Aaron Spelling dies. Correct. In the late 2000s, she sells it. Pretty sure this one listed for $155 million. That was the original price. Right. The buyer in 2011 is Petra Ecclestone, who is the heir to Bernie Ecclestone and part of the Formula One fortune. Petra purchases the home in 2011 for $85 million in an all-cash deal. Nothing to sneeze at. Petra's then going to put reportedly $20 million into it to give it a major remodel. In 2016, bring back the zoo, bring back the zoo. (laughs) She will list the property for 200 million. Mm. It will come down in price several times, but this is 2019. It was marked as sold on MLS at a closing price of 119.7 mil. It's about 120 million. Wow. Well, Spelling Manor. Probably no zoo. Not going to be able to afford to live there. (laughs) okay so that kind of wraps up what's happening we're going to hear more about the story through his writing about her but dunn will continue stories about candy spelling have reached mythic proportions they say she wears four million dollars worth of jewels to lunch and that she carries her own jeweler's loop when she attends auctions at sotheby's they say when christmas eve a couple of years ago studio teamsters drove all night with truckloads of snow in order to cover the lawns of her estate so the spelling children could have a white Christmas. I mean, there are worse ways to spend your extravagant wealth. That when she walks on the beach at her Malibu house, she's been known to send a nanny ahead to plant rare and beautiful shells in the sand so that her daughter can find them. Sweet. It is sweet. Also, you know, when... The daughter grows up and goes to the beach on her own. It's going to be a rude awakening. (laughs) My house had great shells. I hate Hawaii. (laughs) Oh, God. I may record up to a certain point in this and say part two is coming tomorrow. Okay. Done. We'll continue. That when she and her husband are in Las Vegas, when they vacation in the presidential suite of the Desert Inn, surrounded by bodyguards, they have slot machines brought up to their rooms. They really don't want to get handed headshots, do they? Oh! (laughs) That she wants some undressed designer, Carolina Herrera, to fly her latest collection in three models from New York to Las Vegas for a private fashion show, and then bought the entire collection including bags and hats. That her five-year-old son wears a monogrammed smoking jacket. That the Lucite invitations to her New Year's Eve party were so heavy, they cost $1.47 in postage to mail locally. And on and on. Wow, in 1980s dollars, yeah. 
I mean... Those are the opening two paragraphs, <laughs> right? Okay, so this is the dish that Dominic Dunn knows. Like, who is this super rich couple? Let's meet our players. Dunn writes, the source of this bounty. I love the way he writes. This is just, it is, oh, the dishiest of trash candy, and it's my favorite. The source of this bounty. 59-year-old Aaron Spelling grew up in poverty in a Texas ghetto, the son of a Russian immigrant tailor. He wore hand-me-down clothes and was called Jew Baby by the local bullies. I read that during his childhood, like the bullying was so intense and just deeply anti-Semitic. He, I guess, psychosomatic, I believe is the term, but he, he lost the use of his legs for about a year. Like he couldn't walk for about a year. That's he terrible. Was, mm -hmm. He recovered full. I mean, it was, there was nothing physically wrong with him. He was just psychologically beaten down. That much by, bullied. By Texans. So. Yeah. Dunn writes, I first knew him in the mid-50s when we worked together on Playhouse 90. Aaron was the sometimes actor and fledgling writer. I was the assistant to the producer. Shy and socially insecure, he seemed an unlikely candidate for success, power, and multimillionairedom. In the early 60s, we connected again at a film studio called Four Star, where he was already on his way as a television producer creating such series as Zane Grey Theater and Burke's Law. Four Star is going to come back up because that is who Jose Menendez worked for. Interesting. Before his sons had their <clears throat> worst day. Yeah. Dominic Dunn wants you to know. <laughs> this past season, Aaron Spelling shows represented a record seven hours of network television primetime all on ABC. His company, Aaron Spelling Productions, of which Candy Spelling is secretary and treasurer, produced Dynasty, The Love Boat, Hotel, and Matt Houston. And under the Spelling Goldberg banner, he produced Heart to Heart, Fantasy Island, and TJ Hooker. The man has turned out thousands and thousands of hours worth of film, including more than 90 motion pictures for television. Every hour of every day, his series are playing in syndication somewhere. Estimates of Aaron Spelling's income by industry observers exceed $20 million annually. I will say his timing was uniquely great because in the early 80s, cable TV started to become pretty ubiquitous in the U.S. Like it had been around for a long time, but... In the early 80s, you start seeing the, the pop-ups of networks that need programming. And he has all the hit shows. And so when syndication, right, like, I mean, he just, you know, it, it was just a stroke of luck. It was just timing. But, like, he not only was killing it on the networks, but soon, like, all these outlets need stuff to run in syndication. This is 84. We haven't made it to Melrose Place. Oh, no. Or 90210. Also, Aaron Spelling is the executive producer on the television adaptation of A Season in Purgatory hmm. in 1996, written by Dominic Dunn. Are we like three paragraphs into this article? Yes, that's the thing. I think I'm going to cut it and do a part one, and then we'll record a part two tomorrow because this is off the rails. <laughs> Dunn writes. Candy married Aaron Spelling nearly 16 years ago. So they did get married in 1968. 
Before that, she had worked briefly as a hand model, by some reports as a sales girl at Saks, and as an interior decorator. Both of them had been married before. His first marriage to actress Carolyn Jones lasted 11 years. Candy was very young at the time of her first marriage, about which little is known. Candy's going to write about this a little bit in her memoir in 2009 called Candyland. Stories from Candyland? Correct. Mm -hmm. I don't think she could call it Candyland because of the trademark. Sorry, Stories from Candyland. She will say in 2009, she married for the first time at age 17 because it was her get-out-of-jail-free card. Her mother was controlling and intimidating, anti-mame as a strict disciplinarian. And Candy was pathologically shy. She said, in those days, nice girls went to college, got a job, or got married. I tell my kids, don't marry anyone you haven't slept with. That's good, good advice. plan. Mm-hmm. She was divorced at 19. She'll say he was a latent homosexual. I was still a virgin two and a half weeks after the honeymoon. Hmm. So we know a little bit more about that because she has told us, but at the time of the writing, Dominic, you know, right, right. little is known, but that's her. So what happens? She's a Los Angeles native. She grows up across the street from Barbara Stanwyck. Her family's well off until they hit some hard times, but she'll meet Aaron Spelling, it all comes back around, on a double date with Tina Sinatra and her fiancé. Candy Spelling will say, we went to the Daisy Hmm. after dinner. It was a private members-only club. This really does come all the way around, doesn't it? We talked about the Daisy in episode one or two two of Dumb Yeah, one or two, yeah. Aaron was on a date and said to the owner, I'd like to meet that girl. Eight dances later, my date was handing me my coat. So Candy Spelling is 19. Carol Maher is 19. She's not Candy Spelling yet, I'm sorry. Aaron is 42. Wow. A story never told. Though they fall in love to My Funny Valentine. It's their song they dance to it that night. And their second date, Aaron is going to take her to a party at Rock Hudson's house, which totally panics Candy Spelling. Well, future Candy Spelling at actually meeting Rock Hudson. So she locks herself in his bathroom. (laughs) Candy Spelling will continue. On our next date, Aaron taught me how to shake hands and look people in the eye. So coming from being that shy and insular, it's remarkable to me the woman that develops. So she's 19, he's 42. They marry in 1968. Second marriage for both of them, but she's younger. At the time that they marry, she has a little bit more cash than him. She's modeled, she's designed. He's kind of a playboy and blowing money. Also, her birthday is September 20th. She's a Virgo in the cusp of beauty. Also very well organized. Candy Mm. Spelling is so good. Monica Geller would be like, you're my... Candy Spelling is Monica Geller's dream when it comes to space and organization. She's of tremendous use to Aaron Spelling. Like, they're a tremendous team. She says, he reminds her of Fred Astaire. They are so broke when they first get married. This is, because he's a, he doesn't have it. She's willing to help him get it, but they're so broke that they have to borrow suitcases 
from the set of Hotel in order to pack to go out of town. In this uh, 2009 article, Candy has more than 90 suitcases now, so not a problem. But, you know, a perk, access to the prop drawer or closet or room or whatever. Dunn will continue in this article. My several encounters with Candy over the years have been brief but vivid. On one occasion, I was producing a television film about Hollywood climbers for her husband's company, and we were shooting on location in a Sunset Boulevard mansion a few blocks from the Spellings' house. It was late, and we had just one sequence left to shoot, an exterior scene showing extras arriving at a Hollywood party dressed in evening clothes and furs. When we discovered that by mistake, the wardrobe had been returned to the studio. <gasps> Quel problem! <laughs> I made an emergency call to Candy's house and told her the jam we were in, and she sent her driver over with enough fur coats from her fur vault to dress all the extras. Her fur vault. Mm-hmm. Now I'm glad she didn't end up with a zoo because, come on. During the- <laughs> No, it's homemade. And I think we're going to split this into part one and part two. We don't normally ever record on a Sunday. So we're both a little loopy. Both a little loopy. It's Leo season. It's birthday week. It, it is your birthday week. It's Leo season. I love this episode. Happy birthday to me. Thank you for coming on. Okay. Oh, thanks for having me. Let's finish. Let's finish part one up. Okay. Done rights. During that same period, I ran into her at a Hollywood party and admired an armload of diamond bracelets she was wearing. This one's for the rookies, she said, ticking them off playfully. And this one's for the mod squad. And this one's for Starsky and Hutch. Interesting. Uh Another time she called to ask me about a beach house that belonged to a film star friend of mine. She had heard it was going to be up for sale and she wanted to get inside and have a look. The thing about that house, I said, it's not very beachy. It's more like a Beverly Hills house at the beach. That's perfect, said Candy without any hesitation. And I remember thinking to myself at the time... These people are getting rich. (laughs) Yes, they were. She will buy that house. It looks like, because I have found the, you know me and my penchant for real estate listings and dirty digs and location, location, location. This house is on the beach. It is a two-story red brick ranch that literally lives on the beach. It is the most out of place. You know how they do drones for your real estate listings? And it's like, I think I should be on the Dallas set because I belong in a Texas-based soap opera. Mm -hmm. No, it's sitting on the beach in Malibu. Interesting. It is the least beachy beach house you've ever seen. Is it still there? Yeah. As far as I know, it's still there. It sold a few years ago. I'll go back and see if I can find my research on that. And we'll open with that in part two when this continues tomorrow for birthday candy spelling extravaganza. Part two. I hope there's diamonds for me at the end of this or Monet's or real estate or something. 
Thanks for coming on. This was fun. Yeah. It, yes. I'm always like, sometimes you're in here when I record. Sometimes I record by myself and it's very lonely. So it's nice to, I mean, this article is just like, we're only even, this one's going to go long. I interrupted your flow. No, you didn't interrupt my flow at all. It's just so dishy. Mm -hmm. You want a good friend to talk about it with because it gets, whoa. Look, Fur Vault Lady does not get a zoo. That's my takeaway here. (laughs) Lesson of part one. We'll be back. We'll go ahead and put, uh part two out after this. I'm not going to make you wait too long for it. We'll finish up recording when the cats are being a little bit more cooperative. Didn't the chinchilla exhibit used to have more chinchillas? Stop yourself. (laughs) Hey, until we talk again, stay curious. Keep on (laughs) investigating. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Done and Done podcast, a Hemlock Creatives production. You can email us at doneanddone at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Done and Done Podcast. For further information about our episodes or sources, you can find us online at www.doneanddone.com. See you next week, friends.